This is Women's Leadership Success. Leaders tell stories that move hearts and minds, but how do you as a leader come up with stories yourself? Our guest today, David Garfinkel, has the answers for you. David is the author of the number one bestseller, The Persuasion Story Code, available now on Amazon. He has worked as a consultant and speaker for multinational companies, smaller companies, and many one-person businesses. The former San Francisco bureau chief of McGraw-Hill World News, David has been featured in the Wall Street Journal, Fast Company, Entrepreneur Magazine, and many other publications. Today, David will share the secrets of persuasion stories, which he says anyone can tell no special training or talents required. Welcome to Women's Leadership Podcast, showing you how to influence people, improve your performance, and advance your career. Brought to you by women's leadership and career expert Sabrina Brom and womensleadershipsuccess.com. Here's your chance to meet women trendsetters leading the way to success, accomplishment, and balance in business and life. No matter if you're a manager, CEO, or entrepreneur, join Sabrina for coaching and no-nonsense advice to improve your career and bottom line. Welcome, David. Thanks, Sabrina. It's great to be here. It's, it's wonderful to have you here. There are so many books about stories. What prompted you to write another storybook? Well, you know, I just got my proof copy from Amazon. This is just released as we're recording this. I'm so excited. Congratulations. I, thanks. I realized people were being given really bad advice when they tried to find out how to use stories to persuade other people. And many other people were either intimidated by the idea of telling stories themselves or completely unaware of how powerful stories are, especially in persuasion. Uh huh. Then I looked around in my own business, which a large part of it is writing advertising copy. I noticed we use stories all the time that weren't nearly as complicated as the conventional wisdom said stories should be. You know, you hear that you should be using a hero's journey and and there's all this formula and all this stuff. And, you know, in in advertising, we don't have time for that. But guess what? In real life, especially in business, people don't have time for that either. Um, so I thought about the stories that we use that are not exotic. They're not like the stuff you see in stupid TV commercials. They're like regular conversation, and they aren't nearly as hard to create or tell as heroes' journey stories. I also noticed, even though they might not be aware of it, professional speakers and leaders in all walks of life we're also using these much simpler kinds of stories, but almost nobody had really identified what they were doing. So what I did is I set about figuring it out and I ended up writing this book about it. And it turns out a lot of other people were interested in, like you said, we hit the Amazon bestseller status two days before the book was even released. Well, I'm really excited to hear more about this. And um, I, I did read your book. I love the book. And the the stories that you're talking about, the pers- the story of um, the hero story, that's the one I've used all these years. 
And I was so excited to hear there's something that actually works better. So can you tell us about that and how a leader can use these stories uh, in the book to inspire a group and bring them together for a mission? Sure, absolutely. So like any other kind of targeted communication, you need to get clear on a couple things. Who you're speaking to, number one. And number two, what is your objective with the communication? Uh And by objective, I mean, what do you want to have happen? And I'd like everyone listening to open your mind. You might not necessarily want to inspire them right away. You might just want to open their mind. You might want to make them feel like you understand them. That might be all you want to do, because with persuasion stories, one story doesn't have to carry all the weight. You can um, sprinkle a lot of these things in, especially since they're short and easy to do. So you're clear on who you're speaking to and what the objective of the communication is. And you need to be specific too. You can't just say, well, I'm speaking to a team and I want them to all embrace teamwork. That's too vague. And it might not work too well once you're done telling the story. I mean, is the team an IT team? Is it a marketing team? Is it an executive team? Is it a special project or their ongoing work? related to other parts of the company. So you got to think all of that through. This is what anyone in marketing would do and probably a lot of people in a lot of other professional fields. Once you figure that out, you could tell a story from your own personal history about, say, something you wanted to accomplish and how frustrating it was on your own. But then when you were part of a group, all working towards the same goal, the whole was greater than the sum of the parts, synergy, And one of the types of stories I talk about in the book is the origin story. So what I just talked about could be a personal origin story for the leader about the development of their own awareness of the value of team commitment and the results the team got and how everyone else on the team shared in the satisfaction and the credit. Wow. So how... Is it important for a leader to tell a story just about himself, or could it be um, something else, too? That's a great question. Um, No, a leader can tell a story about himself, herself, but there are other types of stories you can use. Um, I'll I'll give you one example, the unexpected future benefit story. and, And we cover this in the book in detail, but to boil it down, the leader could tell the team about what it would be like when the project comes to fruition and becomes legendary in the company and how everyone on the team will have that halo, um, share the credit and a feeling of satisfaction and pride when they all get recognition for the accomplishment. So that's not at all about the leader, that's about them. And a lot of the stories, we have 25 types of stories, a lot of them are about the person you're talking to rather than yourself. So is that the same or different than a hero's the hero's journey story, what you just said? Oh, you could create a hero's journey story around what I just said, but that would be really convoluted. That'd kind of be like shoehorning it in. No, it's a different kind of story. It's it's more like um, an applied guided visualization where you're taking the people into a future where their own lives have been improved. And, 
you know, heroes' journey stories have so many parts to them. You have to go into a different realm. You have all these antagonists and all these supporters, and you have to get to the point where all is lost and it's not going to work out. And then great thing happens. And yeah, at the end, um, you are showered with appreciation and status, and you have a gift that you can offer to the world. That's a kind of, you know, nickel tour of the hero's journey. This this story wouldn't be like that at all. I mean, you could write a hero's journey story with these elements, but this is a story about what happens when you try something together and you're all united and this benefit you never even expected happened. That's very different. It is. And it's, it doesn't feel like it happens a lot in businesses um, it seems like so many people are using facts, statistics, charts, and uh, it's kind of dry or, you know, the 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 deck of slides. Um, why why does this work so much better? What's the psychology behind that? OK, that, that's an interesting question. And I'm going to get a little anthropological or mythological on you here. OK. So there are a lot of people storyologists and others who believe that as human beings, and this is not about persuasion stories, this is about story in general, way back when humans first started talking, the world was, as it is today, a dangerous place. Right. But we didn't have smartphones, didn't even have pads of paper, might not have even had stone tablets, you know. And uh -huh. there was this wisdom, especially the wisdom about how do you deal with danger? How do you deal with the saber-toothed tiger? How do you deal with bad weather? And when that information is conveyed in a story, people paid more attention. They opened up their senses. I guess you could say, and you're the psychologist, I'm not, so I'll I'll ask you to check me on this, that okay. people go into more of an alpha state or a flow state. Yeah? When, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, when they when they hear a story, um, which also means they'll retain it because it it is inherently meaningful. We're wired that way, okay? But when you you know now facts and charts and statistics, okay, um, that's what people use to be professional, and they think it's going to prove their point. The problem is, my eyes glaze over. You know, people mm -hmm. don't remember them. They they don't have an emotional impact, especially when you're overloading people with all this stuff. It takes them into their logical, critical brain uh, phases. And so they're just trying to process it if they're paying attention at all. Um, see, with facts, charts, and statistics, you're making people think too hard to understand them and certainly to feel anything. So they don't have that much impact by themselves. However, however, when you tell a story which has some carefully chosen facts and then you back up your conclusion with one or two really carefully chosen facts or you back up the story with a very dramatic bar chart that shows the difference between X and Y and it's a dramatic difference or you use one startling statistic to drive your point home after the story, that works really well. 
And the important thing to remember is that a solid fact after a story will make persuasion more believable, but it has to be used with a combination with a story or in some cases, a detailed promise. The story brings the facts alive, but by themselves, facts are often totally boring and completely forgettable. So the facts are almost like spice you add to a a good dish. It's not the main course. It's just a little something that you add on to it. That that's a great that's a that's a great uh, way to look at it. But have you ever taken turmeric and put it in a spoon and just started to eat it spoonful? No, that doesn't not taste so, so good. good. <laughs> yeah, not so good. Well, I have uh, my next question, but I had something happen an hour ago. Yeah. Um, mostly, I'm working with people who are working to become vice presidents of companies. And I have a very talented person who's just making great, um, he's having great success and getting better known. And he just contacted me and he said, one of the top uh, conferences in his industry just asked him to be a keynote speaker, which he's never done before. And so I want you to keep that in mind when I ask you this question. So it says everyone's speaking to a specific audience. So he's going to be speaking to this conference. How do you craft a story in such a way that resonates with your audience? How, If he does a great job here, this could just knock him into the vice president position. So what does he need to do here? Well, there, there are a couple things. Um, the first thing is to use universal themes. And a, a, a universal theme, so he's probably in a, a technical position or a technical industry. Yes. He's the head of engineering for a very large company. Okay, good. So what he does is inherently technical and um even if he's speaking at a technical conference, you know, telling telling someone about how he got a new part to fit together or how he improved the manufacturing process by 17% uh, efficiency, it's impressive. Um, some people in the audience might get goosebumps, but probably not most of them. Right. So, but, so a, a universal theme. What are universal themes? It means to include these things. It doesn't mean that your whole speech needs to be about this or your whole presentation. Universal themes are simply topics, ideas, and situations that most people can relate to. Um, in the introduction to my book, for example, I talk about a man at the gate at the airport trying to get on a flight that's already full. And then it turns out he tells a story which he didn't even think was a story. He was just trying to make a bedraggled flight attendant feel a little better. But in the process, well, she lights up and sees, wow, this is a really caring person. I'm going to find him a seat on the flight. Anyway, my point is not that story. My point is who hasn't been in a situation where you're at the airport and you were sure you had a seat on the plane? They said, uh, no, you're going to have to take the next one. Or uh, here's a voucher. We're putting you up at the hotel at night. It's a universal situation. Not every human in the world, but many people, right? Right. And another thing about that story is it's about one person connecting with another in a way that changes the other person's mind. 
Um, but the setting is universal. And, you know, you see this a lot in movies, Sabrina. I mean, the subject of the movie may be out of the realm of people's experiences, right? Um, maybe space travel. It may be crime. It may be politics. But I repeat myself. Um, but so often there's a family member involved in the story in a mm -hmm. way which the stakes are high. And mm -hmm. who hasn't had a family member in a high stakes situation in their own life? I mean, we all have one way or another. So there's that relatability. And that's like what I was talking about movies. That's how a movie about cops or international espionage resonates with the average person. Because while some of it's exotic, there are situations or themes inside the story that everyone can relate to. So I would advise that you suggest your client for looking for opportunities to tell something human, maybe about his kids or his wife or husband, if he's gay or his mother or, or a good friend, or, you know, when he went bowling or when he went hiking or something, find a way to relate it to what you're talking about, but go, to the audience, hey, I'm human, just like you guys, hello, right? The other thing is to keep in mind that the better you know your audience, their priorities, their complaints, what they know a lot about, what are the gaps in their knowledge, as well as the more traditional hopes, fears, and dreams, the more you know those things, the better job you can do to tailoring what you're going to say will resonate with them. Michelle was frustrated. She'd been passed over for a VP role in her company for over 15 years. She didn't know why and she felt stuck. She found me on LinkedIn and started coaching with me. Among the things that she improved was she gained greater confidence in her abilities. She learned to speak up in meetings and her ability to sell herself with upper management improved greatly. Within three months, she'd been promoted to VP. If you would like to improve your leadership potential and advance your career like Michelle did, here are some questions you might want to ask yourself to know if you're on the right track. Am I realizing my potential? Do I want to have more influence and impact? Do I feel stuck in my career? Have I been passed over for promotion? Do I aspire to sea level or a whole new opportunity? If you can relate to any of these questions and you are ready for a better version of yourself, I can help you, guaranteed. For almost 30 years, I have helped over 250 leaders realize their potential. If you want a better job, I can help you achieve that with an increase in pay and much faster than you thought. I have a proven track record of helping current and future leaders just like you increase their confidence, develop executive presence, leapfrog over the competition for plum positions, navigate organizational politics, have more influence and impact, and attract champions to advance their careers. And so if you are willing to take action now and you qualify like Michelle did, I would love to connect with you over a complimentary one-on-one -on -one leadership and career discovery session to help you realize your potential and become a more influential leader or find a better job much faster than you thought possible. 
If there's a good fit, we can discuss how I can help you. If not, you'll walk away with some actionable ideas. If this sounds good to you, please connect with me on LinkedIn and message me for my Leadership and Career Advancement Calendar link. Or go to www.tinyurl.com forward slash Sabrina Coaching and apply for your session today. You'll be glad you did. You'll be amazed at what we can do together. Thanks for listening. And now back to the show. So in, in terms of creating new products, you could talk about the responses, you know, from people in his team, you know, the one who held their nose, the one who started jumping up and down and how they finally, you know, were able to split the difference and come up with a product that enough people were happy with. The problem, a lot of people, and of course, creating new products, see, that's a, that's wonderful because that has both a human side and a technical side. I mean, mm -hmm. if you just create a product as an idea for people, but you can't actually put the tooling and the design and the manufacturing and the calibration together, you know, kind of product. If you put all those things together, but you leave the humans out, no human's going to want to buy it. So if you can talk about some reactions, something funny that happened, a, a mistake, a disaster, not a big one that's going to make him look like a fool, but just something that happened every day and a lesson he learned from it and a new standard operating procedure that he instituted. That will be so much better than here are the most efficient ways to create a new product. Do you see what I'm getting at? Yes. Yes, that, that makes a lot of sense. And what um, what is the the outcome that you want? from the story you tell. So here here you are, you're at a conference. What what do you want people to walk away with after they've heard your story? Well, first of all, you may want to tell more than one story. Um, but I would say that when you're opening, you want to have a couple of outcomes. You want to develop some rapport. They don't have to love you, but they have to feel connected with you like you're the kind of person they might know and that you understand who they are and that you share common problems and maybe common joys and goals and satisfactions. So you, you want to tell, and, and and there are stories like that that you can use. And then um, if you're doing a teaching story, if you want to persuade them about a novel idea, let's say, um, a contrarian idea that you have found that works. We have a book called How to Introduce a, We have a book. We have a story in the book called How to Introduce a New Idea. Mm -hmm. And so he, he might want to tell a story that would get people because, you know, any profession, I mean, engineers are creative, but any profession, people sort of get stuck in their ways and, you know, kind of wedded to old ways of doing things. And so sometimes you need to loosen the epoxy a little bit to, to get them to see things differently. And so you, you could use a story for that. Um, if um, he, he wants to get them um, to believe that they can do it. And, uh -huh. and most speakers do that. You know, he might, he might tell a case study about, about a member on his team 
who didn't think she could do it or didn't think he could do it. And what changed that? And the fact is that everyone in that audience can use that for themselves or someone on their team. So those are a few examples. That's that's beautiful. Um, in the persuasion story, how is it different than a story we would tell every day? Um, can you give us a yeah. difference there? Yeah, absolutely. That's a great question. So we tell stories every day as part of our social communication. Mm -hmm. um, but usually when we do that, we don't think about an objective. When you're telling a story to a colleague or a friend or a loved one, you're simply relating what happened. You like to share it, you know, you, it's a social thing. You, you know, you like, like, um, um, like to open up your life a little bit to them. Um, and so the, the first thing you need to do is understand the difference between that kind of story and a persuasion story. Okay. A persuasion story has an objective. And surprisingly, this, this persuasion stories don't sound that different from ordinary everyday stories, but the objective makes the difference when we don't have a conscious, deliberate objective about what we tell a friend about what happened at work or wonderful experience. We're just sharing moments in our lives, but the that's the objective. It's just, we're not conscious of it to share moments in our lives with other people, which is fine. You don't expect a particular result other than maybe they will listen and maybe tell us a good story in return. When we're telling a persuasion story, the objective is different. And I want to point out, you can use more than one persuasion story, even in a 10 or 15 minute sales pitch or a 20 or 30 minute speech. You can use many. You might have a longer opening story, but you can just tell a one or two minute story and it's important to point out the objective does not always have to be to get to a yes or to close the sale or to get approval from the board or whatever your particular end result is. Persuasion stories are often small steps toward a larger end result. So it might be to show why our company has the track record to handle a new project like this, or it might be to let the customer know we understand the problem that they are facing. And when you add all these small steps up, it adds up usually to much better outcomes than if you didn't use persuasion stories in the first place. Wow, this uh, we're gonna do two parts here, but to finish up this part, uh, first off, we wanna know who our audience is and what what their goals are, what they need, what else do we need to know about the audience? Oh, um, we, 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 we need to know so many things. We need to know what's on their mind. Um, we need to know what they complain about. And maybe not just um, officially to the boss, but, you know, in a Reddit forum or at the, you know, proverbial water cooler. Um, it's, it's important to know that. Now, you, you got to be careful not to not to rock the boat too much in, in a group situation, but it's important to know, you know, what their frustrations are, um, what, what restrictions they're dealing with, um, what they talk about, you know, what, what's on their mind. There, there's a phrase we use in, in marketing called top of mind. And like, like today, 
um, this is middle of August, one thing that's top of mind for a lot of people is the horrible fires in Hawaii. Mm -hmm. um, so if if you were to talk about that in a way that, that isn't cynical or offensive, that might be a, a great way to bring people in to a talk that's about something entirely different. Uh-huh. So we want to know our audience, and then we need to have an objective of, of where we want to end up at the end of the speech. Yeah. And and so there might and you might want to say, okay, so if I want them to accept a particular idea or take a particular action, there might be steps, right? They might need to get to know me. They might might need to get to trust me. They might might need to have their minds opened up a little bit to a new idea. Um, they might need to realize that I know what I'm talking about and I have credentials and experience. And then they might accept the final end result. So you want to plan those steps along the way. So you plan the steps and that's where you could have a different story. You could have a different story for each step. Yes. Um, is there anything else that you want us to know that's important for what you're teaching us right now? Yeah. Um, these stories are not that complicated, but it'll seem different because we, you know, often think stories have a beginning, a middle and an end. And some persuasion stories don't even have that. Um, they're, they're more like things someone might say in conversation. They're just a little more focused and intentional. This is so helpful. And I love your book. And it really is so, the book is incredible. It's the best book on storytelling that I've ever read. And I'm going to be using it in my uh, group coaching that I'm doing with people that want to be top leaders in companies. So I really appreciate that. And I'm really excited that you have been willing to show up for another episode. So in our next episode, David shares how you can use persuasion stories for personal situations like applying for a new position or selling your ideas. See you then. David, so can you tell us some ways we can put this into action? Okay, um, so here are three action steps to do that. Um, number one, start by listening differently. Notice when other people tell persuasion stories, how they tell them, and how effective they are in persuading you. Now, most other people don't realize they're even telling persuasion stories, but that doesn't matter. Some very good persuasion stories happen organically when people are just talking. The second step is think about situations where you need to inspire or persuade people in your role as a leader or future leader. Set up two columns on a piece of paper or in a chart on your computer. Make the title of the left-hand column what they believe now. For the corresponding entry on the right-hand column, use the title what I want them to believe. Now you have your objective. Three, put together persuasion stories you can tell that will move them from what they believe now to what you want them to believe. If you'd like some further guidance and examples, get my book on Amazon, The Persuasion Story Code. Oh, these are great, David. Thank you so much for this. Oh, you're welcome. Wait, keep listening. 
If you like this show and want to learn more on how to be a transformational leader, I have a special offer for you and a gift in just a moment. Thanks for following me on LinkedIn where you can get more leadership tips from me. And also, I really appreciate you sharing, liking, and giving me a review in Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast platform. Remember, if you consider yourself a current or future high-potential executive that wants to have influence, impact, and radically increase your income, I invite you to reach out to me on my contact page on womensleadershipsuccess.com so we can connect. Lastly, be sure and check out my Action for Traction for this episode in the show notes at womensleadershipsuccess.com. You will get three easy but powerful steps you can take immediately, plus some downloadable articles and videos based on this interview to help you truly be a transformational leader. Bye for now. See you soon. Thank you for joining your host, Sabrina Brahm, on another Women's Leadership Podcast. If you have questions or comments, you can email her at sabrina at sabrinabrahm.com. Since 1989, Sabrina and her team have helped hundreds of women managers, business leaders, and entrepreneurs with valuable trainings, articles, books, and executive coaching. For additional tips, interviews, and free access to Great Leaders Today mini-course, visit www.womensleadershipsuccess.com.